Welcome, everyone, to Innovating Church, the Church Innovations podcast. I'm Pastor Casey, here for our third uh, version of Field Reports, COVID-19 edition. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Pastor Josh. Josh, would you mind praying for us today? Absolutely. Uh, good and gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity uh, that we have been presented with as leaders in your church. Um, God, we don't have a clue what we're doing, but uh, we know with whom it is that we are doing it, and that is you and that is our people. God, we give you thanks for how we've seen you alive and active in the people of your church. Um, as we all explore this temporary new normal together, God, we've heard the cries of your people who long to be together again. Um, we hold, especially in prayer, um, those who know isolation all too well and for whom this only uh, it enlarges it and makes it even more prevalent in their lives. Um, we pray for those who who don't do isolation well and, and need people. Um, God, you are with each and every one of us. Uh, we thank you for this time to have a conversation about uh, what you are up to in your church and in the world. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for that. I always appreciate a good, honest prayer, and I don't think there's anything more honest than we don't know what we're doing. Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, uh, your church. What's uh, what do we need to know to get a little little bit of a background about who you are and where you serve? Uh, Pastor Josh Topar, I serve at Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, we are one of eight ELCA churches in Eau Claire. Uh, that in not too distant future. There were nine ELCA churches, um, so there's a lot of, no matter how hard you try not to, there's a lot of comparing and wondering what your neighbor's doing, um, but that's going to be in any situation, I think. Um, I have three young kids at home. Uh, my oldest is six. My youngest is, he's going to be one in August, whatever that makes him now eight months um and so we're we're trying to balance all of that we're skeptically grateful that daycare is still open um <laughs> we feel weird sending our kids to daycare but we're paying for it so we send them um which does make the the home schooling work life balance easier um but yeah, it's, it's, it's what we're at. It's what we're in, you know, that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> it is. I, uh, I have enough trouble keeping myself occupied, let alone three children on top of that. That's a commendable effort on your part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a little bit about, um, when uh, the whole pandemic started and kind of what your time frame was on realizing that this was uh, going to be a bigger deal than perhaps we thought it was uh, when it all came down. 
Um, I think, you know, kind of, it, if I remember right, it kind of, there was that slow trickle into, oh, we have stuff to deal with, right? There was that, ah, oh, it's kind of, when it happened kind of at the end of cold and flu season. So there's that whole, that whole stretch through cold and flu season where, where people, you know, pastor, we really shouldn't be shaking hands during the sharing of the peace. Like, I never tell you to shake hands. Like, I've never said, shake hands with those, you know, I tell you to share the peace, however you choose to do that, but okay. Um, so there's that slow trickle into, you need to tell people not to shake hands, and you need to not shake hands. And so we really had that one Sunday, uh, for us, we had that one Sunday where it was, listen, everybody, we're here, and numbers were way down, um, but we didn't have to be canceled yet. And it was, all right, these are all the precautions we're taking. Our communion servers are, you know, they will be going out during the offering, washing hands, sanitizing before coming up to serve communion. You know, we felt great. We had this great plan. Um, went well, you know, offering. There was just a plate that you could drop your, you know, there was no passing of the plates. Felt really good. And then, you know, two days later, it was, yeah, don't, we're not having worship anymore. Um, and so that, I think it was that Sunday evening that it was really, this is what we're dealing with. Um, Monday, we met as a leadership team and said, okay, we're listening to the experts. We cannot worship on Sunday. We'll send a letter out um, tomorrow. We will be offering drive-through communion. Will we tell, we didn't. One thing that I appreciated and I have appreciated from the beginning is we never put a date on it. We always said, we will be we will be um, postponing in-person physical worship until further notice. And I'm an optimist, and so like, which has been really hard in this too, is to be an optimist. Um, it's not hard to be optimistic. It's been hard to be an optimist, and I have my explanation of that in my head. But I didn't want to have to say, "All right, we're postponing for the next two weeks," and then in two weeks say, "Just kidding, two more weeks." This way, we've, we've said, until further notice, and we're going to listen to the experts, and we're going to be meeting soon uh, now as a leadership team to say what our benchmarks are, and I've had some conversations with other colleagues about what those benchmarks would be, um, but we, we've never had to say, well, I know we said this date, but now we can't. So whenever, it, so whenever it, we're told we can come back in, I'm, I'm going to be about as excited as I can to say, man, I didn't expect to see you all until 2023. Can you believe that we are here in time for the start of new program year? <laughs> I mean, because we never had to say, just kidding, we don't get to gather for this. Um, but we just, you know, the, that second, kind of that first Sunday of not being able to come and be in the sanctuary, we did the drive-through communion thing and, and, you know, maintained as much, dis you know, we were handing elements out on a cafeteria tray, and there's one tray per car, and, you know, we took all those, and it was a beautiful time, and we got done, we're like, we're not going to be able to do this next week, <laughs> so we've, we've just been, honestly, we've listened to the experts, which has made it really easy. So, uh, a couple things with that, I guess the first is, um, you know, it, I think it's a great thing that you guys kind of made the, uh, didn't put a date on it right away. Um, 
which again helps because you don't have to keep bringing the bad news. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, when you met with your leadership team, uh, were was everybody kind of of one mind or was there some discussion about the correct path to go down? It was, it was mostly, um, we have, we have one guy who's, and I think the day we met was, was the last day that Wisconsin, it was the week that Wisconsin schools said we're going to be shutting doors by Wednesday and each district could make up their own mind. And the old area, area school district said Monday is going to be our last day in class. And so we have a, a gentleman who's on the pro, pro, property maintenance, something or other for the school district. And he said, I cannot believe that they are not letting kids come to school. He said, I can control how clean I have that building. But if they are not in school, I cannot keep them at home. And I said, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's valid, but also there's, you know, and that was, I think the number was still at 250 at that point. Like, but every one of the, you know, there's, I don't know how many elementary schools, three middle schools, two high schools, plus um, private schools in Eau Claire. I think every one of them has at least 250 people in the building. And so I, and, all, and I keep thinking all it takes is for, you know, one, parent to be a traveling professional, you know, and, and come back and boom, it doesn't matter how clean you had it when they came in. If Johnny has coronavirus on his hands, well, Susie gets it. <laughs> and, and so, it, yeah. Yeah, otherwise we, we said, you know, we've set a precedent. We, we said we're gonna listen to the experts and let them make the decision for us. So. so, Josh, you and I uh, both know the, for lack of a better term, intense discussions that uh, our colleagues in uh, the Lutheran Church and I'm sure other mainline uh, Protestant churches are having around uh, the issue of Holy Communion or celebrating the Eucharist. Um, I, I trust that our listeners are uh, of all different walks of the Christian faith, uh, and perhaps some uh, seeking or looking for answers. Can you tell everybody a little uh, bit of your reasoning uh, for going ahead with communion? Why was that important for you and for your uh, congregation? Um, at that time, we could, honestly. And so it was, uh, you know, we, we figured, okay, we'll have X number of people, you know, I, I asked our leadership team, those of you who are not um, in that at-risk demographic, those of you who are not immunocompromised, would you be willing to come and help serve communion? Yep, absolutely. Um, so we, the way we did it that first, and we've only done, we only did the drive-through community. We have, I haven't done any of the virtual, um, not because I don't want to, um, it's that I want to and I don't know how to, um, for lack of better explanation. But we, we, we take communion every single week. And so 
it was that first week of doing um, worship in the online format. The end of that worship service was the words of institution. We told, we sent out the letter, we sent any email, any publicity, any communication was the worship video will go live at nine o'clock. I knew how long the worship video was, it was 30 minutes. At 9.30, we will start serving drive-through communion. The very end of the worship video was the words of institution. The assumption was people watched it, heard the words of institution, got in their car, came to church and received it. Um, we had one lady in, in the parking lot at 9 o'clock, another one at 9.15. Like, no way could they have heard the words of institution, but um, we didn't say, hey, sorry, you need to go watch the video first. Um, yeah, and so there's been the desire. I mean, I've had some some questions of, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to find another way to offer communion again? Um, didn't do it Monday, Thursday. Didn't I wanted to do a Zoom worship on Monday, Thursday, and then I said, you know what? I don't want to do another thing this week, so I didn't. Uh, so we didn't have a Monday, Thursday. We didn't have an Easter. Uh, my hang-up is the, and I, I, I'm in favor of it, but that the words of institution are just out there in, on the line, you know? And, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not hugely liturgical. Um, but also I'm conscious of the things that could really anger someone, you know, um, I'm not afraid of getting in trouble, but I don't want to anger people. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I'm trying to figure out if it's even worth asking those of you who think we shouldn't do virtual communion, if you had to pick a way to do it, what would be the best, you have to pick a way for it to happen. And you can't say the best way for it to happen is for it to not. What would be the best way for you? And I don't you know that I even want to ask the question. Because, uh. And that's, yeah, our understanding is that we are ministers of word and sacrament. And uh, obviously one of those two is uh, particularly difficult at uh, this point. Uh, so when you did offer the uh, the drive-through uh, communion, how was that uh, received by your parishioners? Were there uh, did you have pretty good turnout? Were people generally pretty? We did. Um, we had no idea what to expect, but we had. That was the first Sunday of not being able, not being allowed to have worship in our sanctuary. The Sunday before, people had people were cautious, and we had low numbers. We had more people for drive-through communion than we did the Sunday before in worship. So, I mean, we had more than a really low Sunday, um, but we had, you know, we had more. And that was that was the thing too: is the people that were up in arms about um, serving it. They there was no there was no asking how how did you do it, right? There was, there was no asking what were the precautions you took. If the whole argument was you are luring tar the target demographic out of their homes 
yet they didn't ask what was how who were the people that came you know i had because there we didn't have a lot of older people now i don't re, i don't realize anymore that 60 year olds are 60 <laughs> like they strike me as 50. i mean we probably had more 60 year olds than i realized but we didn't have all of the 85 year old women that i think so many of those people against it think the crowd is going to be so there, there was no place for conversation um which bummed me out the crowd was good um my the honestly the best part about it was asking people um i was kind of the last stop you know do you hey how are you do you have any things you need to pray we need to pray for you for um and we had one lady two three ladies break down and just cry you know one whose whose dad was dying another whose husband's in um nursing home yeah, it's you know you wouldn't have had that moment um and i think those moments are and it was how many weeks ago and none of our people have it so we got lucky right and that's uh you know I'm, uh, as somebody else who has done uh, a version of drive up or drive through communion yeah. uh, here's a question that i'm sure you probably haven't uh gotten throughout that process did you get to meet any of the congregation's dogs no i got we to meet like any I got to meet like seven dogs when I no, did it, and it I was like the best day of my life. Bummer. So that's uh, once things lighten up in the state, uh, in the memo for the next drive-through communion. Bring your pets. Bring your dogs. <laughs> when drive-through communion's okay again. Oh man. I just burned through gloves because I had to pet every dog that uh, right. that showed up. Right. And, you know, um, so besides uh, drive-through communion, what uh, what else are you doing uh, with your congregation or for your congregation right now? What does what does worship look like? Um, you know, that's kind of the the big question. How are you recording it or doing it live? What's what parts of the service? I'm, I'm not doing it live. Um, so we do the. And I want to get like I, I will add I'll seek out one reader a week, just someone that I know is comfortable reading would be able to video it and get it to me in a timely fashion, just so it's a different voice. Um, but at the same time, we were in such a that was a thing I wasn't going to take like coordinating multiple different voices in the worship service. I wasn't going to do like it. It was. It, honestly, it's easier for me to do it all. Like, I don't want to be the only, I wish I had multiple people. I wish we had hymns going, but I'm, I'm 10 to 15 minutes the other side of town from my, from my church. It's enough that it's, okay, yep, I'll run in quick and meet you to play a hymn. Um, and so it's trying to, there's that desire. Like, I want you know, I want more voices. Um, you know, the reader this week is going to be the, the kid from of one of our, our council president. Um, hey, could Camden read? Yeah, no problem. Um, another couple did uh, that is in our 
worship band, they did a song at Easter. I was like, hey, can I, can I pull that off Facebook and put it in our worship video for this week? Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, the, the, the thing I'm noticing is our, me, my congregation personally, they rarely interact beyond hitting the like button. And so, like, we've put out a um, Palm Sunday. It was that our processions have looked different. You know, our processions have turned to instead of shouts of Hosanna, they are hearts in our windows and teddy bears in our windows for neighborhood kids to see when they go out for a walk. I said, I want to see your pictures of the things you are doing to lift the spirits of the people in your neighborhood. Crickets. Like, I know they're there. Like, I, I've been in your neighborhood. I've seen them, but no response. It's like, come on. Um, and so it's like, I, I, ah, and that's one of the, that's, there's another congregation in town who's very like interactive. And their people do respond to that. Like, they're doing it. Like, how cool it is. Come on. Um, but it is what it is. Um, our, our faith formation person did a weekly activity bag. Um, so she would go out after the worship video on Sundays and she'd drive around and deliver an activity bag to every family. Um, on Wednesdays, she, she put out a um, your hope at home moment um, for families to do at home. We, we do weekly Zoom fellowship, which <laughs> it's interesting. You can tell there's the people who are trying Zoom for the very first time. Um, you can tell the people who are there because they need to see people and needs to have somebody else to talk to. Um, when, uh, when do you do that? When? Yeah. We do it. We started at 930. Um, so we I put it out. I, I say, you know, as soon as worship's done, the, the, the room, Zoom room is open at 930. But as soon as worship's done, I'm there and welcome people. Um, the first week we did it, I didn't realize I had enabled the waiting room. I thought the waiting room was just a place that people could get to the Zoom thing before I got there as the host. I didn't know it was a place I needed to let people out of. <laughs> and so I, I saw, whoops, I saw a name of a, of, it's a young mother and that has been coming frequently, but it's also the name of my wife's grandma. It's like, why is, in my mind, immediately went to my wife's grandma who doesn't go to our church. Like, um, why is she here? <laughs> and then realized later, like, oh, one, I needed to let her out of the waiting room. Two, it could have also been this young mom from church. And like, well, so I email like, hey, was that you? <laughs> Sorry, but I, you know, I the thing that I look at is I learned in the first few days is actually it was that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. By Wednesday after that first Wednesday afternoon, when this all started, I was like, do I want to do a video for a midweek Lent? No, I don't. And I just put out the leader copy of what our midweek service would have been. I said, here it is. Um, you know, it all revolved around the meal that we would have shared at church. 
do this while you're sitting at the table at home. Here it is. And, and so I realized early on that it was okay to ask myself, is that something I want to maintain beyond this? Um, is that something I want to put time into? And if the answer, if no even creeps into my mind, it becomes a solid no. Um, now, I, I'm also realizing now I was running on, let's get up to Easter fumes. Um, not, not fumes, I was running on that energy. Like, this is exciting, this is exciting, this is exciting. Now we're beyond Easter. Right? And, and because the other side of it is people leading up to Easter, people are looking for that stuff. Right? They're look, they're, they are, are looking for extra stuff. Now they're like, okay, we've got through, are, are our people thinking we got through Easter? Let's see what else is out there. And so, I don't know, man. So as we, uh, as we finish up here, just uh, real quick, um, what has been the best unexpected part of this new normal? And what has been the most difficult for you as a pastor? Um, the, the best, most unexpected, um, actually, so I, we, we had, right at the start of it was our deadline to say we want to order lilies or we don't. And I said, well, let's order them. They can be in the video for Easter and then we can deliver them. So yesterday I was delivering Easter lilies and walking up to one of the houses and the lady saw me and she just started dancing in her living room and like oh that's so awesome uh i was like you have no idea what that did for me the other the other thing is my my daughter comes along a lot um because my wife's working from home too and it's easier for her to get stuff done um if she's not entertaining a six-year-old um so she's she was my videographer for our easter video I mean, she sat in her car seat and pushed record. You know, we did shots all around town and she was the one to push record. She loved it. I mean, she's seeing what her dad does. And so that's been really cool. Um, the, honestly, the hardest part, like not seeing people really sucks. Um, and I'm a, I'm a hugger. I'm not a handshaker, I'm a hugger. Like not being able to give hugs sucks. But the hardest part for me is I am an optimist. And it's not hard to be, op I'm still optimistic right now, but being an optimist is really difficult because you, social media, you're bombarded with people who aren't. And bombarded with this is the end of the world type stuff. And yes, it sucks, but, and like the people saying it's Easter, you don't need to like, you don't need to be excited and, and you don't need to like throw hope in your people's faces. But I can. If we're not doing that, what are we, what are we right. doing? I, I, I like, this is so like, because I can't say anything. I can't say anything. So if you're listening to this and you are not on my level, I'm I'm sorry. Like I'm not attacking you. <laughs> but 
this has been eating at me. So this is my this is my vent. So Casey, I thank you um, for asking the question because we can be hopeful. Like I saw I saw a question today that someone said. So what do we think Thomas was doing? Right, that's gospel for Sunday. Thomas isn't in the room when Jesus first appears. What do you think he was doing? And I'm like, he's out there finding Jesus. Why not? We aren't we aren't told otherwise. And like, uh, and then there's the you know the funny quips like, well, he's out getting toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe, uh, but right. right. And so I, it's it's been honestly difficult because then I think, well, I want to call my people and see how they're doing, but like, oh, but if I appear optimistic and happy, are they going to think like I don't get it? Because that's what my colleagues tell me I'm supposed to be feeling. So officially, for the record, on the record, there is hope. Yeah, right? Right? Like, there has to be. Like, what are we doing? If they're, yeah. I mean, and this is, of course, the time of year, right, where we uh, worship and help others uh, worship a Lord who conquered death. And, you know, that's literally the worst thing that we can think of. And this time of year, that's all we celebrate. All right, and uh, just real quick before I let you go, I have to ask you to uh, share your uh, Lazarus story with everybody before we finish up here. Oh, so did I, I told you that, oh yeah, so we were, so real quick, Casey and I were talking about um, technology glitches we've hit. So the Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb, from the dead, and my my sermon that week was it took a community like Jesus empowered the community that surrounded Lazarus by saying, unbind him and let him go. Like Jesus gave that power to the community. Great sermon, right? Well, translated to a children's message. I thought I'm going to do a video children's message with my daughter, six years old, and I'm going to bind her. And the illustration is going to be that she needs my help to, to be unbound. Like, she can't do it herself. Um, one, she got out of it on her own, so that didn't work. Two, Facebook doesn't like it when you bind a child on camera <laughs> at all. So we got, like, our video got booted. Um, we went against community standards, and I'm scrambling on the, like, host end of our premiere video like hey everybody jump over youtube quick like it's still working there yeah i want to thank you for sharing that one that uh that gave me a good laugh and uh that's uh so i just want to remind everyone uh again today as you heard from pastor josh there is hope jesus still rose from the dead rises from the dead and uh, that this is not the end of the world. And uh, I pray that each and every one of you uh, experiences that hope, and uh, I'm going to be even more risque and say joy this time of year.
um, as you find new ways to worship and new ways to be thankful. Josh, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining me for this today, for sharing uh, your experiences and your leadership. And to everybody, I hope that you are able to stay safe. And until we meet again, peace be with you.